This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here, host of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-audio. We want to keep you in the now with information on news, sports, politics, technology, all curated and presented by members of the blind and partially sighted community. And that community includes me. But we don't want to do all the talking. We want to hear from you. Do you have an opinion on something you saw in the news? Is something affecting your community? Now is your chance to be heard. Listen to Now with Dave Brown wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I'm Jyotha Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Ontario Premier Doug Ford announced that schools will reopen in September, five days a week, with several safety procedures like wearing masks and physical distancing in classrooms. Meanwhile, the Lancet Child and Adolescent Journal recently published two studies that call for vigorous contact tracing and virus testing as a prerequisite to schools opening safely. Naturally, parents, teachers, and students are concerned, have questions, and maybe, in some cases, are slightly relieved. School reopening was never a straightforward question. Factors such as race, socioeconomic background, pre-existing health conditions, and the availability of alternatives to conventional schooling are all brought to bear on whether to return to school come September. Today, we discuss Ontario schools reopening this fall. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joitha Gupta, and I'm the host of the program. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you're staying safe, and I hope you're keeping well during the pandemic. I'd like to remind you, as I do off the top of every program, that if you'd like to keep track of the latest AMI-audio coverage related to COVID-19, you can visit ami.ca forward slash COVID-19. Today, we're talking about an announcement made by Ontario Premier Doug Ford to reopen schools five days a week, starting September. There are a range of reactions to this announcement. In the second half of the program, we'll be hearing from disability advocate David Lepofsky about his thoughts. But first, my guest right now is Ontario secondary school teacher, high school teacher Jason Kunin, who joins us to discuss his perspective as a teacher. Jason Kunin, welcome to The Pulse. It is so great to have you. Thank you for inviting me. So, Jason, when the Premier made their announcement a few days ago, what went through your mind? What was your initial reaction, given that you're a teacher? Um, well, I, I, to be honest, I had very low expectations. Um, so um, there had been a lot of fear uh, in the run-up to that announcement. Um, and a lot of the fear really came from the fact that we have been chronically underfunded for so long uh, that... Um, there have been so many uh, that there are so many uh, problems with infrastructure. We have a 16.3 billion dollar capital repair backlog um, in Ontario, uh, 3.5 billion of which is in Toronto. Uh, so we know the, the the problems with the facilities. Um, we know how short staffed we have been because of uh, of continuous cuts uh, to staff versus to, to funding. So given that. That, that history, that, that climate, that my expectations were, were low, I think, as, as they were for many of my, my colleagues. 
Um, and a lot of us were, were, were pretty scared. And I'd say that the announcement pretty much met my expectations. You know, it was uh, the, the reopening plan is a plan that, uh, as I think most of us predicted, uh, is, is being done on the, ch- on the cheap and uh, jeopardizing the health and safety of the staff and students. And by extension, the, you know, the, the, their communities. Yeah, let me just jump in here for a minute because it's not like the premier's office seems to have made the decision without uh, taking into consideration some of the public health recommendations. They are asking for students to wear masks. They are asking for some amount of physical distancing in classrooms. Don't you feel that that's going uh, to be enough? No. Uh, so they, it seems, so the day before that announcement uh, came out, the Sick Kids Hospital released a revised report on uh, recommendations for school reopening. There had been an earlier one a little over a month earlier, um, and uh, but it had not taken any input from school staff. The second one did. The opening plan seems to have cherry-picked some of the health recommendations, but not others. So, for example... Um, while the Sick Kids report did uh, recommend masks, it also recommended strenuous uh, physical distancing. And th- that standard is still two meters. Uh, just because you're in a school doesn't mean you can arbitrarily turn it into one meter just because two people are wearing masks. Um, the other thing, one of the most glaring absences uh, that was in the Sick Kids report that was not even mentioned at all in the press conference on Thursday or in any aspect of the reopening plan has to do with school ventilation. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sick Kids report did specify that schools, that classroom windows should be left open, that uh, there should be uh, uh, attention paid to adequate ventilation, and those are um, those are glaring absences. A lot of classrooms don't have windows that open, or if they do, they barely open. Uh, a lot of teachers teach in portables. So a lot of schools are short on space. Uh, and then ventilation systems. I mean, literally, some schools have been waiting decades to upgrade those ventilation systems. I teach in a 100-year-old building. The wing that I teach in was built in the 60s, so it's all recycled air. I have big windows uh, that don't open, and I've had respiratory uh, problems uh, in that room, uh, which, you know, I, I've had to, I filed health and safety reports. My admin has, has attempted to deal with those, but the air quality is is not ideal under uh, regular circumstances, let alone a pandemic. So, um, you know, those are some concerns I have just as a secondary school teacher. But then for the the elementary panel, um, you know, they're they're running, they're they're not doing cohorts at all. They're they're running full size classes. Uh, there's no possibility to uh, to be able to um, and to do any sort of adequate physical distancing. Uh, and never mind for the kids under. Um, grades three and under who uh, won't even uh, uh, be required to wear masks. So mm-hmm. these are these are all very serious concerns. It sounds like your perspective as a teacher is quite divergent from the premier's perspective. Uh, you alluded to the consultation piece a few minutes ago. So Jason, do you know to what extent teachers like yourself have been consulted uh, or the union for that matter? Because I know yeah. teachers at all levels have unions. So were the unions consulted at all? The unions have been shut out of the process just as they were shut out of the bargaining process that, that preceded uh, um, the, 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 the closure of schools. Um, the uh, Minister of Education seems, in, uh, has, seems to have been intent on... Um, uh, uh, running the education system without consulting uh, the people who actually work in it. I, mm-hmm. I think he's been more busy um, 
trying to set up an alternative uh, uh, e-learning education system with TVO and whatever other private e-learning uh, consortiums he's been talking to, but he has not been talking to the union uh, at all. Uh, he mm-hmm. did not even he did not speak to us during negotiations, um, where he often made changes in bargaining at press conferences rather than at the bargaining table, and he has not consulted us uh, whatsoever uh, during um, during you know this, the, the run up to uh, the reopening plans. So we've been completely shut out of the process. Sick kids did consult with us uh, after mm-hmm. the first report came out, and there were such glaring um, uh, absences um, in that report. So uh, the sick kids hospital did eventually uh, consult with us, but not, you know, but not not the premier, not the Ministry of Education. And let's engage in a bit of a thought experiment. Let's say that you were talking to the Premier or the Ministry of Education right now, and you had the ear of the Premier. What changes would you like to see in the reopening plan? Are you, you're clearly not satisfied with the status quo, uh, what they're proposing. So what needs to be changed? There's a lot that needs to be changed. So first of all, um, we can start with the elementary level, uh, where you need to have much smaller cohorts that allow for physical distancing. So that's, that's a requirement. Um, and my, my sense is that the reason they haven't done that is simply because of the child care issue, um, mm. because teachers are filling a child care function. And I think a, and a lot of elementary teachers, a lot of teachers in general feel fairly devalued right now because they feel as if that's, that's basically the only role that they're being valued in. So um, smaller uh, class sizes in the elementary. We also need major infrastructure uh, upgrades, major infrastructure upgrades. We need to see that $16.3 billion capital repair backlog addressed. We need to see, uh, obviously, more immediately, things like windows and ventilation prioritized. Um, so, uh, And then we need to see some sustainable funding so we don't end up in this situation in the first place. Uh, you know, the school nurses that they've, that they've hired, um, I think it's going to be like one nurse for every 10, 10 schools or something like that. Um, well, you know, once upon a time, not that long ago, schools had nurses. Um, those were cut. Uh, now suddenly they see a need to have them again. Um, but you know, if if that if that funding had been in place in the first place, uh, we wouldn't be in a situation where we're we're desperately trying to to, to, to patch cracks, you know, in, in the system. So we all want to see sustainable funding. At the high school level, I think we need to see uh, cohorts of smaller than 15, because in a even though 15 is half the size of regular classroom. I cannot uh, provide two meters of distance between mm-hmm. my students in that class. And we need to see as well the recommended distance um, for physical distancing uh, uh, conform with the public health standard of two meters, not one. You can't just arbitrarily change that just because it's convenient for you. So those, are, those would be the immediate changes I would need to see. You know, one of the things that we don't really talk about in this conversation is that there are teachers with disabilities, uh, teachers with respiratory illnesses, teachers who are deaf and or blind. What is the impact of school reopening in September going to be on those educators? So uh, it's quite terrifying. Uh, So I'm immune compromised, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm 51. I might sound young, but I'm I'm 51. Mm -hmm. I'm in a higher risk category and I'm immune compromised. Um, And so... um, I, uh, um, I I may have to opt out of teaching altogether uh, because it, it simply may be too risky. Uh, I have uh, I'm also um, I have some partial hearing loss. I have friends and colleagues uh, who are um, much more severely hearing impaired and deaf. Uh, and I know one of my colleagues who is severely hearing impaired is concerned she won't be able to teach at all if she can't 
see uh, kids if kids are wearing masks because she can't read their lips. Uh, so, um, you know, I have other colleagues who are uh, cancer survivors, uh, uh, have colleagues with diabetes, and uh, a lot of us are really concerned right now. Uh, in fact, uh, this summer, um, probably the hottest topic among teachers uh, after the reopening plan has been um, wills, uh, you know, uh, trading names of lawyers and updating wills. There's been a lot of talk about that this summer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so th- those are those are just some of the, the most immediate concerns that uh, that some of us have. And I dare say those concerns are not really getting the kind of airtime that they deserve because, um, as you pointed out, teachers are rarely being consulted with at all. And when it comes to teachers with disabilities, that consultation piece seems to be missing altogether. In about 30 seconds, Jason, I'm going to ask you uh, the question, which is, do you feel that it's premature to open schools this September? Um, I, you know, I, I want to get back into the classroom and uh, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, an expert in public health. Uh, I, I actually feel that schools can be reopened safely, um, but not this way. And the timelines are, are far too short. You, you can't simply announce, um, you know, at the beginning of August what the plan is going to be four weeks down the road because some of the things that need, in place, that need to be in place for the safe reopening of schools are things that are going to take a while, upgrading ventilation systems, um, changing windows. Uh, a lot of this, is, a lot of this planning really should have been done months ago, and but you know this is a government that's shown itself to sort of change its mind on a dime and and they they govern off the, on, on the fly. I don't think we're ready to open in September, to be honest, uh, not mm-hmm. safely. I think we might be able to be to, to reopen maybe in I don't know a couple months from now. Maybe if they delayed the start until November or something like that. I don't know, but uh, right now I, I don't think schools can be safely reopened. I mean, I think there's things you can immediately do. You provide more funding to keep the cohorts smaller, get the classes smaller, hire more staff. But all of that stuff takes time. And then, of course, you have to address the infrastructure problems. We're just about out of time, but you brought up so many interesting points, and it's been great to speak to you. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Thank you for inviting me. That was Jason Cunin, who is a high school teacher with the Toronto District School Board, and he spoke to us about some of the concerns that are salient to teachers and other staff working in schools as we think about the reopening of schools come September. And now I thought we would flip the conversation around a little bit and get the perspective of well-known disability advocate, David Lepofsky. David Lepofsky has done a lot of work with the AODA Alliance in Ontario and has served in many capacities over the years to try and ensure equal access within education and other fields for people with disabilities. David Lepofsky is well-known to us here on the channel. David, welcome back to The Pulse. It's so great to have you. Always great to talk to you folks. You're on a great uh, service, which I love listening to. David, I asked Jason Cunion, so I'll ask you as well, what was your initial reaction when you heard the announcement that schools were set to reopen five days a week um, and, and, you know, with classes resuming almost at full capacity? Well, um, there's a lot of people who are worried, and uh, I'm one of them. And we're worried because obviously we're going into a, an uncharted territory where we don't want our children or our teachers or anybody else to be spreading the disease. Uh, and we know that one out of every six uh, uh, students in the Ontario education, publicly funded education system, is a student with special ed needs. And we also know that last spring when our school system moved to online learning. 
that the provincial government did not effectively plan to meet their needs. They took a they started with kind of a one size fits all approach to students that assumed that students had no disabilities, and then they left it to each school board to try to figure out what the heck to do to meet mm-hmm. the needs of one out of every six kids, which left frontline teachers, parents, uh, students floundering, each left to largely reinvent the wheel. With that track record, we are deeply worried and have vigorously warned that that should not happen again this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you see as being the major impacts on students with disabilities, David? Well, there's, there's, let, let me begin with the fact that uh, the AODA Alliance, among others, have made public uh, very detailed recommendations of what needs to be done to ensure that students with disabilities are not uh, left out in the cold uh, and are, have their needs effectively met uh, this fall when schools reopen. Similarly, for the specific needs of students with vision loss, the Ontario Parents of Visually Impaired Children, I'm on their board, previously they're under the corporate name Views for the Visually Impaired, some may know. It's an organization of parents of visually impaired kids have identified specific needs of students with vision loss uh, that need to be addressed. Bottom line is this, the government needs to have in place a detailed plan. They can't leave it to every school board to reinvent the wheel on how to meet the needs of uh, students with disabilities. But as a starting point, if I could just give you one huge starting point that we flagged early on uh, and uh, for which the government, at least when I'm talking to you, we haven't heard any plans. Uh, We are worried that there could be a rash of uh, student, some students with disabilities being told by principals, just stay home. We, we can't meet your needs. Mm-hmm. Now, how can a principal do that? Well, under Ontario's Education Act, there's a deeply troubling provision which allows a principal to refuse to admit a person, including a student, to school if they, in the opinion of the principal, their presence in school would be detrimental uh, to the <laughs> well-being of the, uh, the students there. So, and we know that in the past, this provision has been used uh, to keep some students with disabilities out of school. Um, and we know that in the past, that's sometimes done because a principal just figures, we don't know how to accommodate your needs. Your, your education assistant didn't come in today. We don't have anybody to be there with you. So sorry, go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was a problem before COVID. We are deeply worried that when principals um, face the world of school reopening, they may just turn to some students with disabilities and say, look, I don't know how to make sure we can meet your needs, so just don't come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the AODA Alliance isn't just <clears throat> speculating about this because we conducted a survey using volunteers of all 72 Ontario school boards to say, what policy do you have in place mm-hmm. to direct school principals when and how they can use this awesome and arbitrary power to tell a student, you may have a right to education, but don't come to school. Right. And And these concerns become particularly salient, David, during the pandemic, because one of the things we've been hearing a lot from people with visual impairments, particularly, is the challenges around practicing safe physical distancing or social distancing. Is that the kind of thing that's come up when and if the government or Sick Kids Hospital, which conducted some research, uh, whether when any of those stakeholders consulted with parents of students with disabilities or even with the AODA Alliance, that for that matter. Well, that, that is certainly one of the issues. But the other thing that 
we found when we surveyed school boards, this is about their policies. This all predates COVID. But we found that the majority of Ontario school boards have no policy at all limiting how a school, uh, school principal uses the power to tell a student don't come at all. And of the minority of school boards that do have a policy, they vary very wildly around the province. And that's not fair. So we need, we, we, we've said to the province, you've got to direct the school boards that they are not to use this power to solve their problems. They've got to mm -hmm. provide effectively for the students. The other thing that we know as of the time I'm recording this, when the provincial government announced the reopening of schools, they announced some new money. But as for students with special education needs, the total amount they announced was $10 million. Well, do the math. There are a third of a million or more students with special education needs in Ontario. Divide $10 million by uh, dollars by a third of a million, you find out the entire budget to meet the added needs of students with disabilities during the pandemic, during a return to school, is 34 bucks a student. Well, oh that won't get you much past the first hour. Mm -hmm. Peanuts, right? It's paltry and it's less than is needed. Mm -hmm. So is one of the things that you'd be recommending an increase to the per student rate of funding or an increase to the, the, the envelope of funding, uh, maybe more than $10 million? What would you earmark as an appropriate sum of money well, to facilitate a return to school? Need, there needs to be an appropriate level of additional staff to accommodate the needs of students who, for example, cannot themselves ensure that they're socially distancing. If you can't see where the other students are, you don't necessarily know when you're getting too close. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to require more staff. I'll give you another example that's specific to vision loss and that um, Ontario parents of visually impaired children have submitted, excuse me, to the government. Um, in a joint survey done by CNIB and the Ontario Parents of Visually Impaired Children of parents of students with vision loss this spring, asking how did things go during distance learning. We found their experiences varied wildly from a lot of support to none at all. But we know that students with vision loss fell behind in important areas like learning to read Braille and stuff. So mm -hmm. we need a surge in the hours of teachers of the visually impaired that will be available this fall for students with vision loss to make up for the ground they lost because they couldn't get those skills through distance learning. Mm -hmm. So you're not happy with the state of e-learning because I know a number of parents and uh, that I've spoken to, a number of students that I've spoken to have had mixed feelings about it, but uh, is this a system that has uh, not served students with visual impairments well during the lockdown? Well, again, what we found is that it varied wildly. There are some students whose teacher of the visually impaired was in touch with them. We found that those who succeeded predominantly succeeded due to the interventions of their teacher of the visually impaired. Mm -hmm. And some students got tons of support and it was fantastic. Others got less and some got virtually none. Um, and so, but let me give you an example of where things messed up. So the province of Ontario runs, owns, operates a network of educational TV called TV Ontario or TVO. And mm -hmm. the provincial government announced that during at the start of the pandemic that they are partnering with TV Ontario to be a major deliverer of online courses. Well, mm -hmm. we 
had a, a, a quick audit done of the online resources, the TVO, and found that they are significantly lacking in proper accessibility. This is a government-owned and operated network. And I spent a half hour on the phone with the vice president of digital content back in the spring pointing this out and saying, you need a plan. You need to fix this. You need to fix it now. You need to get people on it because you can't have online resources that lack proper accessibility. We haven't heard a word from them since. Not a word. We also found that provincial government resources that were posted on for families for distant learning also lack proper accessibility, and we've seen no plan from the provincial government to fix it. David Lepofsky, in a minute or so that we have left, I just wanted to ask you, given the range of concerns that you brought up today, how can people support your work and get involved? Uh, go to our website, aodaalliance.org, aodaalliance.org. There's a link for signing up to get our email updates. You can find out what we're up to, and we give you lots of action tips. Follow us on Twitter. It's at AODA Alliance. I'll repeat it, at AODA Alliance. And please retweet our tweets because we use that as a platform uh, to spread the word and put pressure on politicians to fix this. David, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to speak to us today. Thanks for including this topic. That was David Lefosky, who is a disability advocate, and we spoke at length about some of the challenges facing students with disabilities, especially students with visual impairments, returning to school in September in Ontario during COVID-19. If you missed this conversation that I just had with David Lepofsky or earlier in the program, my conversation with high school teacher Jason Cunin, you can find all of our content on your favorite podcast platforms. We know the centrality and importance of education in the lives of children from high school, elementary school, post-secondary education. Suffice it to say that at every level, the issues are very different. And today's conversations have frankly left me with more questions than answers. But my hope is that our provincial decision makers and leaders will rely on science, make evidence-based decisions, and consult with the people on the front lines, the parents, the students, and the teachers, to make decisions to open schools safely come September. I can, of course, have more on this topic on ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. That's the show blog page. And I hope you'll go and check that out. We'll put up the link to the AODA Alliance website and their Twitter handle for you there as well. I'd like to thank Jason Cunin for being on the program today, as well as David Lepofsky. Our technical producer for the pulse is Nisreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Be safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.